Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. No, no. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. And you like to have fun, right? Well, while you're enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hey, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I'm your host, Eric Rieger, joined by this guy, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Ken, it is March 2023, and March every year is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. What's happening? My favorite month, Colon Cancer Awareness Month. This is super important. We're both wearing blue, shades of blue. Blue is the color of colon cancer awareness, although I think it might actually be darker blue than my shirt, but this is what I've got today. Regardless, we're both wearing blue, and it is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Colon cancer, second leading cause of cancer death in the United States. It is a completely preventable cancer. In other words, everybody always, is always talking about the cure to cancer. We have a cure to the second leading cause. But we're going to talk a little bit about that. But most importantly, we're going to talk about something that is confusing to most people. And we're going to tilt at the windmill known as Cologuard. So Cologuard, uh, every, you know, up until recently, and by recently, I mean by a few years, most people considered colon cancer, uh, number one, it was age of 50. And even that's changed. And then, uh, but that always was accompanied by going and getting a colon cancer screening if you hadn't been sick before. So we've gone from 50 to 45. And now not everyone is going to get a colon cancer screening, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the changes are what I would say, good or equal. What would you what do you think about that? Well, we know that there are different types of colon cancer screening, and we know that the incidence of colon cancer keeps actually becoming younger, but we are preventing the death of colon cancer by doing interventions like colonoscopy. There are a couple different tests that are available now, right? and I'm going to let you discuss what you think is the worst test, but it's the simplest. And then we're going to pretty much spend this whole thing discussing the comparison between Cologuard, which you've probably seen commercials on. And it's kind of annoying because they've, they're heavily funded. It's a publicly traded company. And the messaging really is cloudy. And I want to talk about my experience with it. Let's talk about what actually exists, what got them their FDA approval, and the data that's been collected since that. Okay. And they got FDA approved in 2014. Interestingly, we were just looking at their stock price, and they seem to kind of peak right around January, late January, February 2021. That's so weird. I and and what I mean by peak, I mean they were more than 70% more than what they are now? I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they definitely were, and I think that uh, we'll, get, we'll definitely get to that, and it actually won't be that strange when we kind of determine at least what we think led to that, uh, that boost in popularity. Yeah. So you want to start with what I think is the worst way to do it? The worst way to screen. The worst way, in my opinion, to screen if you have colon cancer, and this is going to surprise well, you. Well, if you're for colon cancer screening, not yeah. if you have Col colon, colon Colon cancer screening. I think that this way would be even surprise you on what I think is the worst way, okay. and that would be just to ask your friend, do I have colon cancer? That's a really good point. Because I think that would be the worst way. And the next would be to use... That was... Well, hold on. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Was okay. that Stephen Wright that did that during the AIDS scare? 
he went, he went to his friend and goes, do you know anybody who has AIDS? He goes, no. He goes, good. Good. And I felt better about it. <laughs> so you're going to walk up and yeah. just go, do I have colon cancer? Like, do you know anybody who has colon cancer? Not you. Good. All right. So, yeah, that is definitely the worst way. Just go up and ask your buddy. That You think I got cancer? Yeah. No, you're good, man. That magic eight balls are really, really low. <laughs> But I think but is the magic eight ball that far off of Colagard? Oh, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so <laughs> moving in that direction, I think would be the next would probably be a, a fit test, which would be the fecal. Uh, what is it called? Fecal immuno. Immuno. It looks for blood. Im- Immunochemical test. Blood. Yeah, it yeah. just uses blood. It looks for a fecal occult blood or blood that isn't uh, easily seen uh, in a in a feces. The next though, markedly better than fit, but and and right now very popular. Very popular. It's it's advertised everywhere, and that would be ColoGuard. ColoGuard is a box that I believe is shipped to you. Usually, a primary care phys- physician or someone like that recommends that uh, someone who's of age and supposedly not already, you could speak to this, but not supposed to have already had detectable uh, adenomas, uh, uh, polyps, or a history of colon cancer, or be at high risk by having all of those a, a, a family member. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've advertised so much that one of the things about my patients that have ordered Cologuard or they have a doctor has recommended it. Yeah. They wait for the box to get on its two legs, follow you into the bathroom, sit, and then explain what it is. Hi, I'm Cologuard. All you got to do is just poop in me, and I'll ship it off and tell you. Because they spend that much money on advertising. Right. That it, the impression is that this is, oh, it's just, it's such a cute little box. It's got a little character and everything. I mean, we can, when we, when we talk about the comparison between doing that and doing what I firmly believe is the superior method to do it. And we can go through the, the reasons here in just a moment, but the, the colonoscopy versus ColoGuard, uh, it just, it's a convenience issue. It makes sense on why it would seem like for somebody who doesn't want to go and endure anesthesia or even light sedation or just simply do the prep you're, you're checking boxes and you're like oh this this part seems easier this seems more convenient this is certainly easier to do from home but in the end what's the trade-off everything in life comes with a trade-off and so we really should get into what people aren't being told in the advertisements what people aren't being told maybe even by their primary care physician or nurse practitioner or someone what is it that you are negotiating away in order to do this test? Because in the end, don't you want to know? And if you want to know, don't you want to know the best possible answer? Not just one that's, eh, it might be all right. 100%. And it's a little, obviously, I'm a little, uh, I believe that there is a place for everything. And sure. I do believe that Cologuard does have its place. My problem is that it is a business. It's a publicly traded company. And what they did in my market and every other market is that they have advertised a ton and they're going after the primary care doctor, telling the primary care doctor in indirect terms, this is just like a colonoscopy. If your patient has any reluctance no problem. Just order this test. And what we're going to talk about today is this isn't even close to a colonoscopy. It's not even comparable in the specificity and sensitivity, meaning how likely is this actually going to prevent colon cancer? And my fear is that there's been so much in, or there's so much press around it that we're going to have this in, this complete wave of severe colon cancer in people that had polyps because it doesn't pick up 
colon polyps. What it does is it's designed to find colon cancer. When the horse is already out of the barn, it can say, you have cancer. You better go get looked at. That's what it's actually probably pretty good at. Beyond that, not really. It's not built to find polyps. It's not meant there to prevent colon cancer. It's not meant to be a true screening tool. It's basically there to say cancer, no cancer. Yeah. And that's what the data shows. But it's being pitched as do this instead of a colonoscopy. And that's where I'm getting a little upset about the whole thing. Sure. And and we won't there's no reason to go into the weeds on the on the differences between sensitivity and specificity. But I think that what we can talk about today are false negatives and false positives. And whenever you have false either one of those, it just simply means the recipient, the patient, the doctor is being given the wrong result. And both of those occur at higher incidence than just simply going and getting a colonoscopy. So maybe what we should do, and I'm just guessing here, maybe we should talk about the, uh, you know, superficially what it's like to do ColoGuard, what it's like to go and get a colonoscopy. Let's talk about the comparisons. And then let's talk anecdotally, Ken, about what you and I have both seen you just in your practice and me with several other GI. Love it. Okay. So let's just start with this. Remember, I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, colon cancer is a leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States, second leading cause, but it can be prevented because we know that almost all colon cancer comes from colon polyps. If you remove these polyps, you effectively have a cure. Knowing that, people are looking at ways to screen for this, and that's where Cologuard comes in. So what is a Cologuard test? We're gonna start with Cologuard, work our way to colonoscopy. Cologuard is an FDA-approved home test, meaning that in 2014, based on a large study, 10,000 patients, the FDA said that this can be used as a screen for colon cancer that only a doctor can prescribe, and basically it looks at DNA and traces of blood in the stool and runs this analysis and tells you whether or not you may have colon cancer. And based on those numbers, we'll get into the actual numbers here in a second, but that's how it works. So it looks at this uh, array of DNA analysis to say, yes, it looks like you may have colon cancer. Now, what they don't talk about a whole lot, because I have all these patients that show up with a positive Cologuard, and I'm like, why did they do Cologuard on you? Because here's why you should never do Cologuard. You should not use Cologuard if you have a history of colon polyps. This is from the FDA, by the way. A family history of colon cancer or colon polyps, inflammatory bowel disease, symptoms that may be caused by colon cancer, including constipation, diarrhea, changes in shape or color of your stool, blood in your stool, rectal bleeding, abdominal discomfort, pain, or cramping. If you have any of those, then Cologuard is something that you should not do based on the FDA recommendations. I just have a comment about that, both with your practice, where basically you are seeing patients who've had a positive Cologuard and then they've been referred. And then amongst several other GI that I've worked with, there are plenty that are positive and probably matched one or more of the criteria there where, where they weren't even supposed to get Cologuard to begin with. Yes. I feel bad because they did send a drug rep into my office once and she was trying to explain to me that we should be trying to utilize this and they're team members with us and we're trying to do this. And I'm like, no, you're not a team member. No. Because you may be coming to my office and saying that we need to work together, but you've got a whole slew of reps talking to primary care doctors, telling them they can do this easier and better 
and people that are specifically not supposed to have this are getting it. Yeah. And if, a, if I'm a primary care doctor and I'm being told it's the same thing, why not, right? It's not. That's why we're here doing this today. Well, just as a stupid analogy, but I mean, can you imagine if you, if you ended up having someone who, who was a rep for breast implants who also came to, uh, or a breast augmentation who also came to a gastroenterology clinic and said, hey, listen, I know that you have some patients who would also like a breast lift, but you could just have them put this in and it's going to be just the same. I highly doubt that a plastic surgeon is going to be like, yeah, we're all on the same team. I really like the right. fact that you're dropping that off at the GI clinic. <laughs> I know. That's pretty much People what are it is. specialists for a reason. And I felt really bad. And I apologize to, I hope, well, I will forward this to the, to the rep that came to my office. She's no longer with the company. And so uh, I, I will joke about this, but it was, I was not, I was not pleasant. It's going to be funny. I was bristling. It's going to be time. funny if she's taking a job now with an implant. <laughs> So the deal with Colaguard is it looks for DNA changes in the stool and or blood, and it comes back as negative or positive, black or white. And negative is supposed to mean that there is no detectable evidence of colon cancer or large precancerous polyps. Keep that in, in your mind right there because we're going to look at the actual data on that, and it's, it's sad that the FDA says this. Positive indicates cancerous or precancerous cells may be present. Testing positive is not a diagnosis. Some DNA stool screening tests result in false positives. The Coligard test should not be considered a direct replacement for colonoscopy. So say that again. The Cologuard test should not be considered a direct replacement for a colonoscopy. Even if it only said that... You know what? Let's get to it in a moment. But even if only said that, just remember that. Yeah. So, all right. So, what is a colonoscopy? If you've never talked to anybody that's had one, two people's here on this on these microphones. I've had three. Eric's had one. I've done two of them. Wide awake. One of them mic'd up with cameras put on YouTube so you can see what it's like. Yeah. Colonoscopy is the gold standard way to screen for colon cancer. It's the only exam where your doctor can actually visualize the entire colon and rectum, and a colonoscopy is an internal screening exam that you don't feel. You're completely asleep. It is painless, and the key here is that during your colonoscopy, Precancerous polyps can be removed before they grow into cancer. Earlier, I said that Cologuard detects cancer. You want to wait till you have cancer, or do you want to go get it and have the polyps removed before they turn into cancer? And when I do patients that continually grow these precancerous polyps, I find people that have polyps with cancer at the tip of them, but we cut them out and it's a cure. It's the only cure that we have for this second leading cause. A little bit of me is like, why did we invest all this money into something else where we should have invested the money into the uh, promotion of more people just accepting that colonoscopy is the gold standard. Colonoscopy is definitely a way to remove the precancerous polyps. I will say that we're going to get to the point where I actually use Coligard sometimes when people are incapable of getting a colonoscopy. Yeah. So I I just kind of want to not necessarily push back on what you said, but... I will say that I like the idea of exploration to see if if there is something that we can detect utilizing someone's DNA that's less uh, invasive. I mean, I, I understand the application. The issue I have, and 
when we get here in just a moment about comparison, uh, the comparison between detection rates and what we actually find to prevent cancer, it not only bothers me, it angers me that they pass this off. And by they, I mean the FDA. This is just a company out to, to, to number one, find a new scientific method, and number two, make money. It's a company. I understand that. But the fact that they got a pass from the FDA to make it look as if this is just as good as the colonoscopy while hiding that one little sentence in there that it's actually not the replacement, then what the hell is it for if it can't do just as good a job at detecting so, the cancer? Totally agree. And right now I'm going to play the CEO of Exact Sciences, which has... Which owns Cologuard. Which owns Cologuard. Okay. And I'm going to say, well, Eric, the obvious difference here is that Cologuard is a non-invasive test where all you do is send your stool sample in. You don't have to do a bowel prep. You don't get sedated. There's no risk to it. And it's at home. You just mail it off. What we're doing at Exact Sciences, because this is what I was told by the rep, what we're doing at Exact Sciences is we're taking care of the people that actually would not get screened otherwise and making sure that at least they can be told or not if they have colon cancer. I'm like, if that was the case, then why are you going to areas where colon cancer screening is actually widely accepted, like my city. Yeah. Plano, Texas, Frisco, Texas, Dallas, Texas, places where there's lots of education on this because all the doctors are very familiar with it. And you're coming in and telling the primary care doctors that we now have a replacement for it. That's exactly right. I was just about to highlight that the the sales pitch, the detail pitch to you as a gastroenterologist is different than the one that they are giving to the primary care. There's no doubt. No doubt. Um so conversely, colonoscopy is gonna is a procedure that's done. You're gonna be sedated. You don't feel anything. You do have to do a bowel prep before, which is probably the hardest part. But the key here is that, as we're gonna say multiple times, polyps can be removed. These polyps significantly decrease the cancer risk. We know over many, 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 many studies that it significantly decreases cancer when people are screened. Period. Yeah. And we know that the age of people having cancer is decreasing. Many podcasts ago, we discussed the fact that millennials are the first generation to have more colon cancer than their parents. Right. So that's how come we keep moving the screening age lower and lower. It'll probably continue to decrease. Probably at 40, not too long. It's right now it's at 45. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Do you, well, we can do the differences here, and then we can talk about what happens when you get a positive detection in one versus the other. Yes. So, a few other differences, as we discussed. The colonoscopy examines all areas of the colon, and Cologuard just takes a sample. You were bringing up an analogy, kind of, the whole garden thing that you were telling me about when oh, we were talking the about dirt? this. Yeah. 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 Explain that real quick. Well, so, if you were to... Decide how well the soil was in a flower bed, for instance. You could go and you could plant. You could have various crops or, or you know, you could have cucumbers and tomatoes and, and what have you. It all mixed. And you could easily tell besides getting more water, besides a little bit better on the uh, fertilization or this said great earthworms in it, whatever it happens to be. Uh, and you could tell what side of your, of, your, of your garden is doing well and which side needs uh, some attention in soil. Or you could just go have some random guy grab a little bit of soil, walk back and say, hey, I think it all pretty much looks like this. Yeah. And that probably isn't going to be a very good representation of 
the entire flower bed. That's essentially the analogy between color garden and colonoscopy. Yeah. Colonoscopy is you're the gardener walking out there, looking at it, picking up weeds, making sure you don't have too many pests. Yeah. Controlling your garden. Color guard is walking up, taking a sample of dirt, sending it to the lab and saying, how's that dirt look? Yeah. And maybe the dirt will come back and it looks, looks like there's a fungus. You need to treat it for fungus. They go spray it with fungus, antifungal stuff or whatever. So the accuracy of colonoscopy is really really good if you look at all the studies 95 percent of all colon cancers are found during colonoscopy cologuard wait i think you should say it again how much nine over 95 and i would venture to say that the if that is true that five percent of those are unique not typical cancers because i mean when you see a cancer during a colonoscopy, you know what it is. Well, you know, it's something else, and maybe several people just don't know this. Can you explain how a proficient group or practice of gastroenterologists keep track of how well that they are individually doing with the ADR? Oh, that is that is great. So as gastroenterologists, we have our own uh, metrics that we make sure that we do quality work. And your gastroenterologist will have an adenoma detection rate, that is ADR. And it used to be a colon withdrawal rate where you'd pull the, the colonoscopy back. This is to prevent so that you're not just scoping people going, you had a colonoscopy and not looking and doing stuff. And so the adenoma detection rate, very pleased to say that myself and all my partners are well above national average. I think national average is somewhere above 28%. I'm 54%. That means that's not... I'm only catching 54%. That means that 54% of every patient that comes for a screening colon, I'm finding a precancerous lesion. Right. A significant precancerous lesion. That's the key right there. Because when you look that even if there was, even if they were sent to me because they had a positive cologuard, 54% of those patients, I'm going to find a, a precancerous lesion. Cologuard um, is good at finding cancers at the late stage. Right. That's the key. In fact, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, in fact, what they tout is, well, colonoscopy is 95%. We're 92%. We're not that far off. That's colon cancer. And the key here is, is that they don't find any of the precancerous lesions. Right. And so that, that's why I said that all the colon cancers that I found, you're like, oh, shit. Now I got to have this talk with this person. Yeah. But fortunately, even if we find colon cancer, I've got this kick-ass team my office has it. Don't. What I'm saying is don't put off your colonoscopy because you're worried about cancer. Because even if we find cancer, we have like a 91% cure rate on that. Right. 91% meaning that between me and, you know, Dr. Macaluso, the colorectal surgeon that we use all the time, between my oncologist that we use, we fix people. And then I've, I've seen this in action. I've seen you and the other... Uh, folks that you have uh, at GIA, DHAT, you know, all, all, the, all the way through back and even with uh, TDDC before they were with GIA, immediately you have those references that you call, I'm just going to throw one name out there, Macaluso. The, the reference chain begins the moment that something is seen. And what I mean by that is you're going to have um, the pathology is going to begin. You'll give a heads up to whoever the next in line is in the team. A disadvantage with Cologuard is now we're waiting on the result. And nothing's really been put into motion because you're still going to have to go and have the confirmed result done with what? A colonoscopy. A colonoscopy. Hey, but uh, one, one other thing I, I do want to highlight, because throwing out ADR may be a new metric or a new number for several out there. If you have someone and you happen to ask the, that gastroenterologist if they have a, a, an ADR and they don't mind sharing it with you, 
Kansas is at 54%, but it's also well worth mentioning that you and everybody in your similar community at, at your GI practice all have a very similar ADR. You may have someone who has one in the 30s, but maybe the population that they see Correct. is yeah. healthier. Yes. And they just simply don't have it. So that number doesn't necessarily mean that they are more or less proficient than their um, than their colleagues. It really comes down to the environment and the population that they serve. Exactly. Exactly. So we have a very healthy population. So that number is actually quite robust in yeah. this population. Yeah. If you're in an area where cancer is really prevalent, it's an elderly population, uh, possibly they were exposed to different things. So when I was at the at the Veterans Administration Hospital scoping, we saw a lot more polyps yeah. because they were exposed to a lot of different things. There was a higher incidence of smoking, things like that. That's a great point. Now, one of the problems is is that somebody comes in with a co- with a Cologuard positive and they get called by their doctor and be like, hey, that's Cologuard positive. They start reading, they're like, I have colon cancer. Right. And honestly, when this first came out and I was getting all these Cologuard positives, I was the same way. I was like, oh, shit, this person has colon cancer. Yep. And they show up, and they're a nervous wreck. Yeah. And they're like, I have cancer. Oh, my gosh. And they're waiting to get in to see me. So now we're talking, you know, it, there, there could be a several-month wait to get into a gastroenterologist once that test is done. They've been stewing in it. And in the, <clears throat> in the beginning when this first launched, we were all in the same boat. We're like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're going to really take our time, kind of look at this. And then... I've done probably 120, maybe 130, somewhere around there. I was trying to trying to look up my numbers. Cologuard positive tests, uh-huh. zero colon cancers out of 120. Think about that. And Okay, so that's your practice's anecdotal um, response, right? This is my anecdotal response. What they will say is we only have a 13% false positive rate. And I'm like, hmm. Which, hmm. I just want to highlight that my anecdotal response working with a bunch of different GI, exactly what Ken is describing is what every single one of them say to me. I mean, from the GIs that I worked with in Denton to the ones I worked with in Fort Worth to the ones, I mean, Anna, the perception of Cologuard positive resulting in a positive result is, it's almost like the inverse. It's almost like it's the 10 to 13% actually has cancer. So that's how they come in. So the rep came in and I was like, listen, I need to ask you a question. Yeah. I've had well over 120 probably, and I'm probably having more than that, but those are the ones where I was able to find the code where I can search Cologuard positive. And I haven't had one cancer. She's like, how many polyps did you find though? We found those polyps. I'm like, I'm going to find polyps and I'm going to find precancerous polyps in 54% of every person that walks through that door. Mm -hmm. And you're taking credit for all those, for every one of those that comes in. And then I looked at the number and I actually had a lower uh, ADR, a, a lower ADR in this group. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. And which my buddy Russ in San Antonio brought this up. He's like, I, um, because of getting different things, I'm just, I'm, I'm obviously we're just kind of taking Cologuard here and it's a one-sided argument, but there, I do believe that there's probably this is technology well, that, you know, they're, that they're, is going to evolve. Their ad, their advertisements are a one-sided argument. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, yeah, man. <laughs> Screw you. You have this, you have all this TV time. Give us, give us a half hour here on this podcast to, to freaking win back a little space here. But um, my buddy Russ pointed out, he's like, hey, you know what? I found a couple cancers in other places. Funny you mentioned that liver and yeah, stuff like that. That's exactly right. 
So oh. do you remember uh, I came back to you af- and it was in it was in Denton. This is about three and a half years ago. There was a woman and she she tested positive on Color Guard. She then went and got a uh, test, I mean, a, a colonoscopy, and they found nothing. And they didn't know what to do with the data. And then later, she kept having pain, which they kept thinking had something to do with, well, honestly, it was, it was nondescript. And then suddenly, the, it was the, uh, uh, the GI who recommended, you really, we need to do the, the tests on the liver function, et cetera. And that was where the cancer was discovered. It had Dang. nothing to do with the colon, but that was what showed up positive. So this, it's it, this could be evolving. This could be evolving. So if you're if you're steaming right now and you're the CEO of Color Guard and you're yelling at me, maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe it's maybe we can work together and make sure that if it's a false positive, that the next step could be to well look look a little harder someplace else outside of the colon. Maybe it's not just a colon test. I don't know. Um, okay. Well, let's let's do comparison there, and we'll come back to exact science. Yeah, we'll go ahead and come back to that. So. Then the deal is, how often do you need this test? Currently, ColoGuard must be, if it's negative, must be repeated every three years. If you've ever had a positive test, you're pulled out of the ColoGuard path and you're put in the colonoscopy path. So if you have a colonoscopy and it's negative with no family history, you, my friend, get 10 years of not worrying about your colon. Right. So ColoGuard, every three years... And colonoscopy every 10. So then somebody says, well, I heard it's really expensive. And you look at the price. If you're cash pay, first of all, insurance, here's the deal with this. Here's the real rub. And this is why ColoGuard exists. And the reason is, is that whenever it was, federal mandates made insurance companies because so many people were having colon cancer and dying of colon cancer, that they essentially said that insurance companies uh, need to pay for a screening examination, a screening colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. And that means that if you have a really high deductible and you go to your doctor and he says, well, you're, at the time it was 50, you're 50 years old. It's like, yeah, doc, I got a $10,000 deductible. Hey, don't worry about it because right now your insurance will pay for a screening exam. So your first one gets a screening exam and you don't pay for anything. And patients were coming in and everybody was winning. It's like, great, we, you get 10 years. I don't have to worry about it. And then what ended up happening is when the FDA approved ColoGuard to do this, mm-hmm. then if somebody had a ColoGuard and they were positive, it was no longer a screening exam. It's a diagnostic colonoscopy that then the patient had to pay for. Right. So the, if you were to pay cash, you can get a ColoGuard for around 650 bucks. If you pay cash all in at my center, somewhere between eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred dollars with anesthesia, with all that, and you're like, well, six fifty to twenty two hundred dollars. I'm like, two thousand dollars, ten years, six fifty every three years. Same thing. Well, worse actually. Much worse. Yeah. Well, not much worse. It's about the same thing. But the key is, one has so much better lifetime results than the other. And so that's why ColorGuard exists is that they jumped in and they were able to gain that will get paid by the insurance companies any way you cut it. And the insurance companies, quite honestly, were like, sure, whatever, 650 versus 2000. Okay. Just as long as, as long as we're 
fulfilling the federal mandate that we have to do a screening exam. We have to pay for the screening exam. Yeah. So let's look at the at the lifetime value back to the actuaries at the insurance company. So let's say that even after three or four colo guards, it ends up equaling a colonoscopy. In the end, they're hoping that the prediction is the catch, right? And that some of those who are actually going to be positive for cancer will be detected. And just like Ken said, um, up until recently, no insurance paid for the follow-up diagnostic colonoscopy. Get, let, let's let's break that down. Meaning you had a choice of screening colonoscopy or screening ColoGuard. And either one that you chose, your insurance was going to pay for. But if you hit ColoGuard and it's positive, you were going to be out of pocket the eighteen dollars to $2,200 in addition to the fact that you just shit in a box and mailed it in. So that was just going to be your money out of pocket to now do the follow-up to get, or number one, find out if you even had cancer, and number two, if you did or had a polyp, have it removed. Where if you had just used your insurance's screening colonoscopy protocol, then you would have been screened at the expense of your insurance company and the polyps would have been addressed. In full disclosure, CMS says that that uh, Medicare and Medicaid I believe in January 1st of this year, we're going to begin to cover that. That does not include private insurance. But when you look at who is using Medicare, it's a 65. It's 20 years after oh. you should have your screening colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah. So it really doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Literally. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I think we've said shit more times on this particular podcast, and appropriately and so. appropriately so. Yeah. So the other part of the actuary is I think that they've done the calculation that if they happen to miss a couple of cancers— and they have to use the insurance then to cover the cost of cancer treatment, it still fell below the threshold of everybody getting screening colonoscopy. So these decisions were made with money in mind, not for your health. That's just, that's, that's just the truth. It is. And that is. All right. So, unfortunately, I can't. We can't really do this without talking a little bit of sensitivity and specificity. Let's do it. All right. So I always get this confused. If you're here and you're like, what is sensitivity? What is what is specificity? I always get it wrong. But basically, sensitivity is if you do a test and it says it's positive and you have that issue, that's a high sensitivity. Correct. If you do a test, specificity is, and it's negative, and you don't have that issue. So if we're thinking of it this way, if you and I are playing catch, and I've got blue balls and red balls, and I'm throwing them to you, and I have a highly sensitive test, and I yell at you, and I go, only catch the blue balls. Uh And I'm throwing blue, 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 red, 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 blue, 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 and you're letting the red balls drop, but you're catching the blue balls, and you caught 100 blue balls, and let all the red balls drop, that's 100% sensitive. So, and then the opposite would be specificity. If I say don't catch any of the red balls and you let all the red balls drop, that's 100% specificity. Right. Now, if you have a test and you just freaking love catching balls and you just start grabbing, then you have low sensitivity. And like if you have too many, you caught way too many red balls saying that they're blue balls, you put them in the blue ball bucket, that is a low specificity. Yeah. So what we're getting at here is low specificity leads to false positives. Right. Okay. So knowing that, and forget all that 
dude, every single time I have to take a test, I have to review these stats. And um, we've got epidemiologists and statisticians on staff, and they're looking at me going, is he, is he stupid? <laughs> I, am, I am stupid. This doesn't make sense to me. Bottom line is this. So they got, in 2014, there was this study called the Deep Dash C study that got their FDA approval. During that, what they did in that one study is detecting colorectal cancer was supposedly 92.3%. And it, that means that it correctly identified 92.3% of colorectal cancers. They said that the specificity of the test was 86.6%, hmm. meaning that it correctly ruled out colorectal cancer in 86.6% of people who did not have the disease. The nuance here is that I went to UpToDate, which keeps an ongoing review of all published data. Right. And a graph that I looked at here, when we look at the uh, sensitivity, meaning they can find it of colonoscopy for polyps less than five millimeters, meaning puny little polyps, 75%. If you look at polyps that are a little bit bigger, six to nine millimeters, mm -hmm. 85%. Polyps sensitivity, remember these are precancerous lesions, it's 95% and colon cancer is 95%. Now, the interesting thing is if we can find 95% of these polyps, which means the precancerous lesion, that tells me that the other 5% of colorectal cancers, there's something unique about them. Correct. Meaning that's, there's, it's not a typical cancer. Right. That being said. So now when we look at Cologuard, this is a um, pretty impressive stat. So I just said 75, 85, 95. Um, finding polyps, it was 17%. Okay. Finding bigger polyps was 17%. All right. And they actually had 42% of the sensitivity for polyps greater than a centimeter, larger than a centimeter. Remember, it was 95% on a colonoscopy. They're 42%. Mind you that what they did is they checked it, and then the patient went and had a colonoscopy, which means if you're somebody like me, 54% of everybody walking through the door is going to have a polyp. They only found 42% of which should have already been a much higher number. Yeah. So that means they had found 42% of the 52, 54%. And I'm bad with the math on here, but basically that means that the actual sensitivity is markedly decreased because they're taking credit for polyps. They're like, oh, you wouldn't have found that polyp without us. No, totally to the contrary. I'm going to find the damn polyps. Yeah. I'm going to find the polyps. So until the technology catches up to a screening level of 75, 85, and 95%, removing the polyp before it comes cancer, then it's, it makes no sense. I mean, I want to show this graph. Look at that. Yeah, you things. Well, I think what you're illustrating is the trade-off, like we talked about and we started the, the podcast, is, is you, the trade-off is, is you are gambling with the opportunity that you may fall into that, uh, you said it was 43 what was the number? 40, oh, they had 42% so you're, you're, for polyps greater than a centimeter, which you, is a big polyp. You're gambling with the opportunity of falling into a 58% window that won't be detected for a precancerous polyp. It is worse than me flipping this coaster and saying silver side or black side up. Yeah. And it's like a black. And you're like, nah, that's still worse. So just take 100 people that uh, ha have an unknown precancerous lesion, but they need to go be checked. 
according to this, according to this data, not to Ken and I, according to this data, 42% of them are going to be caught and then be told to go get a colonoscopy anyway. Yes. And then the other 58%, according to this data, will be told they are fine. Say that one more time because that makes a lot more sense than my silly math. If 100 people ha- are, they don't know it yet, have a precancerous lesion and they take this particular DNA check from Cologuard, according to their numbers, 42 of them are going to sit, be told, hey, you're positive. You need to go follow up with a gastroenterologist and be scoped. The other 58 of these people are going to be told, you're fine. Don't worry about it. See you in three years for our $650 box. Yeah. And that is three years. That's 36 months of growth of if it's precancerous now, it could possibly be cancer by the time they get there. And you don't know how large it would be at that point in time. That's a really good point. So one of the reasons why they're doing every three years is because we know that these polyps do have a growth potential. And we believe that looking at the data that between three to five years, these things grow, which is why if you have a large lesion, if you have a, if you have a colon polyp, that's one centimeter, you're coming back in three years to have a colonoscopy yep. because we know they grow here. If you have one and it misses it, it gets three years to get bigger. And if it misses it again, it gets three years to get bigger. Now we're no longer a polyp. We're probably cancer. That would be a, an interesting follow-up study and it'd be completely unethical. It, does, to, to it have doesn't it. have to be a study. We're going to see it in real time. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just going to see it. I'm going to see it during during my career. I mean, it's been out for a few years now. We're going to start seeing people that um, were missed. That were missed. So, that, but what I was getting at is is, is the incidence of a, a a two strikes. So, year zero, they they take they take this particular DNA test and it says nothing. They're in that 58 percent non detected, and then three years down the road, that same that same uh, precancerous or now cancerous lesion exists. Is it how many of those are being missed the second time? So now literally you've That's got the question. six years yes. or 72 months of unnecessary cancer risk and growth. Think about that. I mean, if, if that doesn't matter to you, then why are you doing either one of the tests at all? Right. I mean, the whole point of this is to prevent disease, to give you a better life so that you're not in freaking misery and that you're not battling unnecessary cancer you started off at the very beginning this is the second leading cancer right no second most preventable uh second leading cause of cancer death in the united states but it's it's the most curable most curable and preventable and preventable so remember when you came to me and you're like hey i have this test that detects breast cancer and I said, I don't think it's going to work, Eric. And you go, no, 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 no. I can walk up to people and we can tell them if they have breast cancer. And we send women for mammograms and ultrasounds and MRIs. We don't send them to determine their cancer stage. We send them to find the lesion that can be cut out early. Right. This is the exact same thing. If you have a test to determine if somebody has breast cancer, horse is out of the barn. Right. It's done. You got to find it before, which is why we screen. Pap smears, check for early dysplastic early. tissue. Mammograms, check for small lesions that can be removed and or followed so that it's not there. 
even PSA, all these different things. But the problem is, unlike almost all of those, even even a pap smear that says, well, no, you can you can do that. What what you end up doing is you find pre, you find early cancer and you you do a colposcopy and you cut off the cervix. Breast, they biopsy the tissue and go, This is definitely this is definitely early cancer. Right. Now we need to move on from there. Right. Prostate, same freaking thing. The only comparable thing would be a melanoma where somebody can cut out the whole melanoma, a Mohs surgeon. Correct. One of our, you know, we've got good friends that are Mohs surgeons and they are amazing. That's the closest thing to what we're doing, but that's a small percentage and a very unique detailed thing. What a, actually that's a great comparison though, because if you are someone who has been predisposed to melanomas, you <laughs> or certainly if you've even had a history of a small one being cut off, right? And they don't believe that there's any spread. I highly doubt that you would be comfortable, that someone would be comfortable knowing the severity of a melanoma of just now having a nondescript test versus having a skilled dermatologist do a full body exam. For sure. It's, it's very comparable to, to do that. One other thing about the data that's now out there and the data that was presented, remember when I said that the specificity, they, they actually somehow, because I think they're just including the fact that any polyp found, they roped into their specificity. Yeah. Um, or, and I haven't, I don't know. I don't know how to, it's, it's like a numbers game. Maybe the specificity is just related to the colon cancer and then included, I don't know. Because somehow the specificity is like 89%, meaning if it's negative, 89% of the people are negative. My experience has been the false positive rate in my practice is like 99%. Yeah. For definitely cancer. Well, yeah. Definitely polyps, but I'm going to find polyps 54% of the time, like I said before. So you can't take credit for that one. No. So you've got a false positive where it says our specificity says that you have an almost a 90% chance of having cancer. And I've done 120 of these and not one of them had it. Come on. It's, it's weird. It's just weird. So there's. And the you have a busy practice. This isn't like a small sample size. I mean, like it would be one thing if you only scoped two people a month, but that's insane. Yeah, I'm. Yes. You have a busy practice. It's busy. We scope a lot. You're, I do. You're busy compared to busy. Yeah, we're doing you know 150 to 200 procedures a month. Yeah. And I just it hurts my soul when somebody comes in and they are they are on Xanax and they're climbing the walls because they've been told that possibly, dude. It's I mean, come on. You go get a CAT scan and somebody says you got a spot on your lung. Don't know what it is. You better get that checked out. And you call the pulmonologist and they're like, he's booked out four months. Yeah. And you're just sitting there going, if it's cancer, I don't want it in me. I know that time is of the essence. So what does anxiety and lack of sleep do to someone who's potentially suffering from cancer? I mean, think about that. The amount of worry, the amount of increased uh, cortisol, let's say that it happens mm. to be cancer. Oof. It might actually be making the situation worse, having to sit around and worry about something which may or may not even be real. But, um, Hey, I just wanted to highlight something Yeah, because we did talk about exact science who does own color guard. And I want to be really clear. Exact sciences is not the, is not the company that allowed themselves to be marketable to people. They are a company that utilized <coughs> A, a level of science mm -hmm. to isolate 
some DNA and to see what the application could be. There's potential that sometime in the future, this is going to have a much better service than probably what you and I think of it currently. They actually have a couple of other tests, some, some of which are blood. All right. There's Onco Extra. They've got OncoGuard Liver. Oh. But those like are we blood, were talking about? Those are blood tests. Okay. So they're using, using probably like, the same technology. Yes, using some form of DNA. I, I think there's an application for what Exact Sciences is doing. I'm far more frustrated at our FDA, which is supposed to be the consumer and practitioner watch guard. Yeah. And letting something through that clearly shows, even in their own words, is not a colon screening replacement. They say it. Yeah. If you're saying that, then why are you allowing people to do it? You know, I don't know. It's like it's like selling an iPhone saying this is not a hammer. But it would be great if you ever really wanted to hang a picture with this. <laughs> it's just so silly. But I don't know what's really silly. Yeah. I'm looking at the ColoGuard logo. Yeah. And I'm imagining the um, ColoGuard mascot watching <laughs> yeah. watching this podcast. Getting really sad. Just getting really pissed off. <laughs> Walking around the living room in his little box. He's like, hi, I'm Cologuard. I'm whatever. And he's like smoking and got like a whiskey. <laughs> and his like Cologuard wife comes up, honey, go to bed. He's like, these assholes are over here bashing me. I'm out here trying to work. I carry shit to the lab all the time. And he just like throws the whiskey at us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's probably only... 42% good because he's drunk. Yeah. And then I have this image of Tally from South Park coming out going, hey, cold guard, just chill out, man. Just chill out. I like your voices. <laughs> I don't know why this cold guard. There's, Lucas showed me a really funny YouTube of a guy that does parody of commercials. He does a bunch of like Chevy commercials. He did a cold guard parody. It's freaking hilarious. Well, oh, you know what we forgot to get to, and we mentioned it earlier. The only thing is you made mention of the stock price and stock swing oh, yeah. of exact sciences. And we were going to talk a little bit about why, and probably for an application of where actually ColoGuard could have been beneficial. And as you said earlier, it has an application for people who might not be able to go to colonoscopy. So it probably matches a little bit of their stock yes. swing. So let's talk about that. You're right. Yeah. So we were uh, just looking at the right currently exact sciences stock is trading on NASDAQ at 62.93 as of today. And we looked at their all time high and it was over 155, 155 late January, early February, 2021. <laughs> Something weird was going on then. I don't remember. Well, so mm. yeah. <laughs> um, if you, if you match everything up and then you and I, how long did we go before we scoped? Were we shut down uh, for a solid nine weeks? No colonoscopies? State of Texas was one of the best and we were still shut down for like nine weeks. It was nine weeks. Oh yeah. We and then it was like open to like only like the most extreme yeah, people. Lots that of were, parameters. Yeah. Lots and, of parameters. And then as practitioners, we would see, uh, we would see patient lists. And it was a guess at the percentage of those the next day they were actually going to show up because yeah. there was all of these precautions around uh, COVID or I was around, I said COVID, I can't go get scoped, whatever, whatever the reason was. We had lots of cancellations, but that peak um, on ColoGuard, I believe, coincided with some data that began to roll out in November of 2020 and then into December of 2020 where people were talking about we are missing detectable cancers by not being able to scope 
as many people as we once did. And it was for all of medicine, but specifically for, for colon cancer screening. And so I think, and rightfully so, that Cologuard was like, well, look, if you're not going to go get screened, we've got at least something that might get you off your ass so that you'll go get some follow-up. I think that application was pretty good. I think it was also. I think it was really good, actually. And they probably were like, look, in an altruistic world, they were like, thank goodness we exist because we're offering something. I, and I, I agree. That, that aspect of their service, I think, is right. And had the FDA guided them correctly to pursue that market, I don't, we're not even having this comparison discussion today. Yeah. Like, this is where Cologuard fits in for those these people because there's a market for that. But this isn't the market. The market is not everybody. Yeah. No, so. totally agree. So bottom line is this. Overall, colonoscopy is considered the gold standard for colon cancer screening due to its higher accuracy, ability to prevent cancer, by removing polyps and the longer interval if you don't have anything. A disclaimer, it's important to talk to your doctor about which screening tool is best for you because it is possible, and I have ordered Cologuard a number of times because I feel that the risk of doing a colonoscopy on somebody outweighs it if they are extremely ill, if they have multiple comorbidities. All I really want to know is, look, if you're 92 years old, you're on dialysis and you got CHF, and I get a referral, I'm going to have this talk. I'm going to look. All I really care about is if you have cancer or not. Right. I don't really care if you have a polyp. So Cologuard is perfect for Perfect. And I have ordered that on many patients. But it really depends on this individual history. The bottom line is it's not a preventable, it's not a test to prevent colon cancer. It's a test to tell you, looks like you might have it. And in my own practice, Almost always, you don't have it. And in the end, even if it's positive, you're still going to have to go and get a colonoscopy because this test is not going to address the polyp. Yeah. It will give you no answers on what it looks like, what the size is, what the danger is. It's just a yes or no. So in a politically correct world, up to date and all these other sites, the... um FDA or whatever, if you have any questions or concerns about colonoscopy or Cologuard, don't hesitate to discuss them with your doctor and have them watch this podcast, episode 103. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in to the Gut Check Project. We are now on Rumble and Locals. Go to rumble or locals.com and select for, uh, well, actually, if you just go to rumble.com and search for Gut Check Project, you will find the easy button to go over to our locals, which is going to be ramping up soon. Um, yeah, and what, if you don't know what that is, I, I didn't know about it too much, but we had a couple issues where possibly we were taking on some topics that were uh, YouTube felt that we were a little too truthful. Truthful. And they pulled us down, so we're over on Rumble, which is basically an area where we can talk about things. So if uh, um, you have topics that many people are not willing to talk about, we are willing to go there and look at the science. It's all about science. We're willing to go. This is not an opinionated. This was a little opinionated, this particular topic. Only from experience. (laughs) Only because it's my world, bitch. That's oh, by the way, I apologize for that. I had a patient tell me. Uh, I was He was waking up, and his wife said, I love your podcast, but can you watch the potty mouth? I'm like, I will try so hard to watch the potty mouth. He did not try. <laughs> <laughs> 
please be sure to like and share. You can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you'd like to listen to your podcast. But uh, those of us here at the Gut Check Project, which is Ken and I and Paul, could not appreciate your listening, viewing, and sharing more than uh, than what it is. Absolutely. And the bottom line is here, you know, we, we talk science. We try to have fun. We try to make it a little bit of entertaining. It, ultimately, we're all here for one thing, including exact sciences. I'm sorry if we took you on a, a little too much unbiased. But as Eric said, you've had the opportunity to do that on national TV without any argument. Everything is for your health. Everything is to protect you. Everything is to make you better. We are in healthcare. My passion is to heal people. And that's the bottom line. That's going to do it for episode 103. And we will see y'all next time. Take it easy. That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project. And we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get gut checked.